Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are those couples. Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, Terry is also here. This week, we're going to talk about The Moon Base, written by Kit Pedler, directed by Morris Berry, aired February 11th through March 4th, 1967. Before we get started, first, we must attempt everybody's favorite podcast segment. Cody's 40-second plot synopsis. On your mark, it's like, oh! The Doctor and Fred land on a moon base, and then they're flying around. Looks like a lot of fun. And they get into the base, and then some guy's like, I feel bad, and his head hits the thing, and then the black stuff goes around, and he gets like a disease. They don't know what it's, what's causing it, but they're like, ah, put another guy there. And it's the Gravitron. They control the weather on the planet Earth. They're very important. They're important people, but there's somebody sneaking around. Who could it be? Uh, more people get sick, and the doctor's like, what's happening? I'll help you. And then he finds out it's the sugar, and then the Cyberman's like, aha! I'm also here! That doesn't really involve me over there. Time. Really? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You re- really went hard on the first three minutes of the story. Man, there's just so much <laughs> going on, I don't know how you can pack. And then just offhandedly mentioned the Cyberman. You're like, it was the sugar, because the Cybermen are using the sugar. That was the first time you mentioned the Cybermen. Yeah, I was on episode <laughs> two. Like, we well, don't even know about the Cybermen until right. episode two. We knew about them. Ah, What do you want? Leave me alone. Once upon a time, Doctor Who magazine did a poll ranking all episodes of Doctor Who. There are 156 classic Doctor Who stories. Out of those 156, where did this one fall? 50. (laughs) Five zero. (laughs) That's awkward. Jill? Mm. Out of how many? 156. It literally never changes. Oh, no. Yeah, it changes every week. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 78. Alex? I'm going to go 38. Sam? 40. Terry? 47. What did, what did Sam guess? 40? Oh, uh, 41? Bob? <laughs> yeah, 41. Jill, if this were the 35th anniversary poll, you'd have been only two away. But as it stands, you're only eight away, because it was number 70. Oh, wow. Nice. Up six spots from the 35th anniversary poll. 30th anniversary? One of those years. I can't remember. It was a solid middle ground story. Accuracy by volume. We have established that it is decided by fans. To be a totally middle story. Uh, Jill, what would you think of this one? Well, uh, <laughs> I will not say that my attention to it was fantastic. However, there was there were a lot of parts to it, which I liked. 
wasn't like a single storyline, or so it seemed in my inattentive watching. Uh, and for the first time, I actually liked the animation better than the live action. They upped their animation game. That's what I thought of it, especially the Cybermen. The animated Cybermen were amazing, and their voice was a lot better. I mean, I know their voice was the same, but it was better matched. <laughs> it wasn't the same. It was way worse. Or, I mean, than the last time we saw the Cybermen. I liked... I I just really liked the animated Cybermen, and actually the animated everything. Uh, I think she meant it was the same between live action and... Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. I, I got that. Yeah. I'm just gonna... It was just better matched. Yeah. And it, it was easier to tell the effect of them, like, opening their mouths and just holding it open in the animation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam, what'd you think of this one? I thought it was entertaining. Terry? I enjoyed it. Could be a short podcast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Alex? Well, Jake, let me tell you. (laughs) Settle in, buddy. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I enjoyed it. I feel like it was a bop in terms of Doctor Who episodes, like this is just through and through Doctor Who. It was great. It was a good story. And not your first time watching it. We watched it for either our Ben or Polly podcast on Brothers and Who. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember which, but liked it then, like it now. Cody, what you think? Good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there, one thing I wanted to point out, this, so, this era of Doctor Who, this is what they want, base under siege stories, they they want one location so they can amortize their money over the, over the span of the episodes, build one big, nice set, and use it the whole time, um, and then, so we're gonna see a lot of these, and this often kind of gets compared to a lot of the other ones as maybe not one of the better ones and it gets compared to the 10th planet a lot because a 10th planet just happened b they're very similar stories but this one i think hits at a better clip it's the only one of all of these or not the only one but one of the very few of all these base under siege stories that's only four episodes we're gonna get into a lot of six and seven episode stories, guys. I apologize in advance, <laughs> but uh, uh. this one, because of its length, I think kind of gets away with more than some of the other ones are going to, and it just moves. I googled "base under siege" because I was like, "That's that's the term, right?" So I googled it, and it like came up with Doctor Who, like it was coined by Doctor Who. <laughs> The base under siege genre was created by Doctor Who. Or Google listens to you the, talking about Well, in your I was going to say, all it came up with was like talking about how base under siege was became a really big thing with the second Doctor. And I was like, that's weird. Yeah, they'll kind of. Yeah, they, this is the base under siege era. And then um, I think he has a season that people refer to as like the monster season. There's a bunch of new monsters, but uh, we'll get there. Stuff, go. Oh, uh, yo, uh, what is geologists doing in space? What? What? Doing geology shit? What do you mean? What? Geology shit. Yeah. 
Uh, you mean meteorology shit? Oh, this nah, isn't a joke. But there, okay. No, there is no. There's just <laughs> two of the scientists up there of the multinational scientists corps of the moon were geologists. And for the life of me, I'm like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> uh, geologizing? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't know how that got past me. I was like, they just. <laughs> They're creating weather, or they're like controlling weather down on Earth. So I was like, "Let's get some meteorologists up in here." And they're and they got these guys up here. Is like, you want to know about the topography of Mongolia? Well, they. <laughs> What's that guy do with geology? But isn't it not geology? Is just like the structure of the planet Earth, rocks and minerals and shit. I don't know if it has much to do with topography. Ah, but I mean you. We have geologists studied the moon. <laughs> I mean, not so much anymore, but we're about to again. The moon have... is studied, bro. They got a base there. Not in 1966, it wasn't. Like, they're... this was kind of the beginning of the space race, the race to the moon. And so the Kit Pedler, who's a Doctor Who science advisor and sometimes writer, is like, hey, we're going to be on the moon soon. Let's have that be part of the story. And, you know, you have a basically a space station sitting on the moon you're going to be ferreting scientists of all kinds back and forth just because you're there and you have the the space and the time you uh you guys remember the scene when uh is it is it jamie or ben that's the scottish one jamie 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 when jamie gets sick and he's on the bench and he and he's saying like no, Piper, I will not go with you, but like Scottish. And his body mannerisms is like, take me, you sultry bitch. <laughs> if, you, if you close your eyes, you, you could be watching a hardcore porn. <laughs> yeah. Very, oh, Matt, you beat me to it. If you close your eyes, you can't watch anything. <laughs> when I was watching that scene, I was like, this man wants to be taken by the McCrib of Piper so bad. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Jamie being in bed the whole time, uh, this is another one, but the last of the scripts that were already written before they decided to bring Fraser Hines on as a companion. And Kit Pedler, who had written this story, was pissed that he had to rewrite his story to accommodate another companion. So he just had him get knocked out and lay in bed the whole time. Ah! Which, which Fraser Hines said on the DVD that it was great. He got to just lay, get paid to lay in a bed and have a hot woman just dote on him the whole time. How ideal is that? Sounds like the best kind of work you can get. More stories like this. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is our first glimpse of Jamie. He was in the last. <laughs> yeah, he's, not he's as been a real human, was he? Okay. No, wait. A fake. He was there as a fake human. Well, it was animated last time. Yeah, it was animated and, and snipped. We got to see that kilt in real time. <laughs> mm. He was in a spacesuit. <laughs> no, there were kilt shots. Now that you're mentioning spacesuit, what the fuck? <laughs> How would you build a Cody? <laughs> I, well, maybe would shy away from a two liter bottle with some PVC coming out of it. With, like, some sort of glass cone that may or may not seal around your padded leather armor from the Renaissance closet. 
Eh, it's space. It's not that dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> My only real issue is just their, like, oxygen form. Because I'm like, if you put any pressure in that two-liter bottle, it's just going to launch you off the moon. It's going to blow what? up. It's not an air tank. It's crazy. Yeah, but those sunglasses, though. Mm, they were those the cool were, kids Those were space. rocking. Those were <laughs> dope as shit. That's the only thing that kept that costume, like, together. <laughs> if they didn't have those mad shades, you see the dock in those shades? Woo! Yeah, but think of, think of the science that went behind that. Like, they had to put on shades because you needed protection from UV because there's no atmosphere, guys. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Their lips were so chapped. Oh, yeah. This episode's going to be so short after I cut all this shit out. Oh, no. Oh, no. The guy who did the French, I don't believe... He's uh like native French speaker. No shit. <laughs> he did an, okay. an amazing job. Some of it was really good. But Actually, sometimes he would just drop it completely. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he's a French born British actor. Holy shit. Kate, you can be born in France and move when you're two weeks old. Yeah. So he has never been to France. <laughs> As an adult. <laughs> like that, his accent, it felt manufactured most of the time. But when it was good, it was mwah, chef's kiss. And they had like an, an Italian, uh, was it an Italian dude? They had a bunch of nationalities. And the only Australian. one that actually, a ton of Australians actually. There's I think there was like a three. Nigerian too. Nigerian. That None of them had an accent except for Benoit. Yeah, because he was the one who died in the... Uh, food pantry, right? Ralph? Is there other kinds of pant pantries? Maybe. <laughs> he got the shock, bro. He gave him the static and his yeah. body couldn't cope. They, uh, Doctor Who, besides starting the base under siege, also started the black guy dies first. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Yo. Okay, did that actually kill him or did it just knock him out? Because he did the same thing to Polly and Jamie. And they didn't. No, he did. No, I think he, he was converted. He the, the Cyberman says at one point, like, we're not killing them. We're changing or they're going to be Cybermen, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why what they didn't want to take Jamie because his brain was injured. Because he's a dumb dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they put in the sugar was conversion. Well, that was just a virus. They put a virus in the sugar to make everyone sick so that they're easier to take down. Oh, OK. Good thing they had some uh, non-sugar drinking folks, right? Right. Like out of all the stuff they have in the in the food stores, they're like sugar. That's the one. <laughs> How rompy did they make it when the doctor was collecting all of his uh, samples? <laughs> He's just like sneaking around and tweezing <laughs> people's clothes. Shoe. Yeah, the, the guy just walks away without a shoe. No mention of it. Just totally fine. Absolutely clowning. It's funny you bring up out of it. the doctor's rompiness because we haven't been able really to see too much. Oh, I gotta change my volume here. You can't. You can't change uh, your volume. Only your mass. Okay. <laughs> uh, we haven't been able to, or we haven't been able to watch a ton of the doctor because you know, a lot of stuff we've been watching has been animated. 
Actually, last week there were a few live action episodes, right? You're wrong, Joe. We saw Jamie last week. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think so. The two middle ones were live. Were they? Joe wasn't paying attention. On this one? Yeah, thought... the first and the end were. Yeah, you're right. Up to this point, the doctors, you know, this is Patrick Troughton. He's doing Patrick Troughton stuff. He's a little more manic, a little all over the place. He loves dressing in drag. He loves just being a goofball. <laughs> and the, the director of this one, Morris Berry, is like a stiff caricature of a British asshole dude. <laughs> just like, you know, the cravat, the sweater, the perfect hair, the there will be no funny business while I'm directing. And everyone kind of respected him, but nobody really liked him. And he kind of got, or he pulled Patrick Troughton aside a lot. He wouldn't, he wouldn't berate, or he wouldn't tell anyone what to do, like, in front of everybody else. But he pulled him aside and was like, tone it down. <laughs> we need you to be more serious. And this does kind of cr help create this second Doctor as we're moving forward. This, these kind of serious moments that he has he does sprinkle those in because he he realizes here like how impactful those can be and how they kind of help sell the threat a whole lot where previously like in underwater madness he's all over the fucking place but uh here we see kind of the beginnings of a new second doctor that we're going to we're going to get pretty much from here on out he was dev like after he said anything he always had like this crooked Smirk? Oh, smir it's not really like a smirk, just like a, a face of distaste. <laughs> a grimace, yeah. if you will. A, a grimace. Um, You want to talk about the Cybermen? Yes. They're newly re redesigned. We talked about it last time. The designer, creator, basically, of the look of the Cybermen. She was appalled at how popular they became because she <laughs> admits to not trying. Because she thought the idea was stupid and that this show was definitely going to get canceled. <laughs> and, oh, man. <laughs> and here we are 60 years later. We've got Cybermen all over the place. And she's just like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're redesigned, but they have to keep the same basic structure. So she can't do too much to change them. But uh, I think they look great in this story. I really like what they did with the masks. I hate the Timberlands that they're all wearing. And the sheer number of shots they thought were important to take of them. I was listening to a podcast today about this story, and they pointed out that the scientists and the Cybermen are wearing the exact same boots. Yeah, What's the point bulk, of that? Bulk discount. <laughs> well, obviously. It shows that they are one in each other. They are the same. This poor bedraggled costume designer who gets like eleven dollars a month to clothe these people. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, fi found some like truck knocked over on the side of the road, old boots, <laughs> just shoving them in the boot Thank of her car. God, they're all size tens. <laughs> the I always hated the balaclava thing. It just really didn't add any element of fear or monstrosity or antagonist it was just silly well to uh to show you or to tell you the other side of that um annika wills on the dvd says that she actually prefers the balaclava cybermen because they're closer to human and 
you know, it will get to a point, especially like in the 80s, where the Cybermen are really just robots. But they're supposed to be humans that just altered their bodies so much that they're they're now kind of other. And those first Cybermen, you really kind of feel that because of how they look. But oh man, yeah. are they strong now. <laughs> One guy oh, they just lift that dude up off the bench. Yeah, didn't he they? did it oh, twice. Terry got such an erection when that happened. He yeah. was he wouldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> oh, take me strong, but you know, ksh, ksh, dead. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what the hell is a gubbins? Mouth. Strong and emotionally unavailable. Terry's perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody answered my questions. What is a gubbins? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No. No. Can you use it in a sentence? No, because it's not the a thing. The fuck is gubbins? Noun. <laughs> 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 so, um, and actually, this scene is super cool because Polly just like straight up is like, yo, I have a plan. Acet- or she wasn't just like acetone. She's like, this stuff dissolves nail polish and nail polish is plastic. So I could just make this mixture and uh, their thing is made out of plastic, and they will die. Okay, but then Ben was like, "What?" Yeah, and ben she like really explained it. it again, like the exact same way. Hey, Ben's not everyone watched the idiot. first week. This is a whole nother week, a whole nother episode. Sometimes <laughs> you got to re-explain things to the audience. Oh, fair enough. But like he made her repeat it over and over, and then she ended up mixing a whole bunch of chemicals into a spray bottle. Yes, something yeah. you should always do in your house. And yeah, maybe <laughs> don't do that. The okay. Uh the Married to Podcast accepts no liability for the statements made on our programming. <laughs> and you accept all risks and liabilities by conducting your behavior in any way, shape, or form which we tell you. Are you just gonna clip that and put that at the beginning of every podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's a little late. We're in the two hundred and thirties. Legally now. Legally Redo. binding. But she she runs into the room and she sprays to death, which I wish I could have seen live. I was so yeah. mad <laughs> that I saw it animated. And they did a great job of the animation for it. And when everybody's talking, the big scary captain of the ship man was like, uh, mix up more of that gubbins. He, he does and, say gubbins. And I'm, I'm at a loss. Uh, which part? The part uh, where he says gubbins. He's yeah, pulling gubbins. a Jamie. Mix up some gubbins. Oh, so this is just a natural chemical mixture that's uh, <laughs> branded as gubbins upon the space station. <laughs> so gubbins is British slang for uh, a foolish or futile person or a simpleton. So is he calling Jamie gubbins? <laughs> mix up some more <laughs> yes. of that. You gubbins. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey. Mix it up. Gubbins, <laughs> or is he calling the concoction gubbins because it's just a mishmash of bullshit? No, it's that probably makes more no, sense. No, no, but no, I like the first yeah. one. No, it's it's. Oh, it can also mean an object of little or no value. God, do we have to change Terry's name to Gubbins? No. <laughs> oh no, no, he's no. lone goat. He's lone goat. He's goaded. <laughs> <laughs> it can also mean a small device or gadget, um, odds and ends like litter or rubbish. Or Jesus. a silly person. This term. Why is, is there so much expansive? Have you ever heard British people talk? They just say eight words, and <laughs> they all mean everything. <laughs> True. <laughs> Get roasted, British people. 
<laughs> Suck it. Suck it. I'm, pl- I'm, I'm putting birds in the air. Suck it. Oh, no. <laughs> you got to flip the V or they don't get it, man. Oh, shit. Hey, anyway. Anyway. Uh, Gubbins, what'd you think? Oof. Damn it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he responded to it. <laughs> no. It's official now. Damn it. <laughs> All right, so we kind of we kind of mentioned that the uh, this one gets compared to the 10th planet a lot. It's a base being taken over. It's Did you inter- say it's a, it's a base under siege? Well, it's an international science base. Under siege. International, a fake international <laughs> cast being sieged over <laughs> by <laughs> Cybermen. <laughs> and yes. so uh, instead of the crazy evil general guy, we get less crazy, not as evil scientist guy, Hobson, who I thought really makes this story. I thought he was awesome in this. Yeah, he kind of played like the straight man. Like he was just, these are the facts, this is what we're going to do. It was good. He was legit. He seemed like a space base commander. He, people always give these stories a lot of shit, especially this one for some reason, even though this happens all the time. That, or because the doctor and and the companions show up and everyone's just like, hey guys, <laughs> just kind of lets them in. But they are like in the middle of a crisis. They are expecting a doctor to come, even though they know this isn't him. He's not like pretending like he was in Power of the Daleks. But they he is saying that he's a doctor and it's just like, well, what are we going to fucking do? Like, we can't throw them out into space or murder them like. We might as well just be like, yes, go try to help the sick people. We're fucking busy. <laughs> There's a catastrophe going on. And then what the, how the writer kind of described it, or maybe it was the script editor, I can't remember, was like, you know, you you let them in, either they kind of prove themselves to be helpful, or they prove themselves to be the bad guys who started this whole nonsense. Either way, you'll find out. Just like that. Bada bing, bada boom. Chef's kiss. Yeah, he was dealing with a lot because all the like the outbreak going on in the base, plus like storms all over Earth that they like, and their thing was like broken because oh, it was yeah, sabotage, and having to right? reboot the whole thing. Well, they're they're down like three people. Yeah, and apparently you can just obliterate the planet after five minutes. Well, so how far in the future is this? Twenty seventy. And so that was the whole thing is like Earth's fucked. And so they had like it's just like torrential storms all the time and they need to use a gravity gun from the moon to control it. Right. Is that did I get all that right? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Earth is fine. They're just our storms. And they're so like the one they kind of specify is there's a hurricane in the ocean, which there are all the time. (laughs) And. This one is like getting close to Hawaii, so they're kind of just directing it away. And if they say pass out at their desk, <laughs> it starts to veer closer. I thought there was more of a doomsday situation. Well, the Cybermen were gonna use they were using it to create chaos on Earth and destroy everybody. They're gonna like molt the the ground to ash or whatever. Gotcha. That's a strong gun, if it can do that. (laughs) 
Damn. Well, it's a Gravitron, man. <laughs> yeah, big word. Pretty sure I rode a Gravitron once. Uh, At the county fair? You're going to just admit to that? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they used it to defeat the Cybermen at the end and just had them float off into space. That Dude, was fun. brutal. Just mm-hmm. sent them into space like, bye. <laughs> and they aren't going to die, so they're just floating. Yeah. I love the animated uh, episode where it showed them like goose and a bunch of them. And it was uh, Polly that like just straight went gangster. It was just like, just like spraying the shit out of this one. It was wild. But I also wanted, I wanted to see that scene in live action because it looked so cool in animation. Like, how did they get Mm -hmm. the bubbles? How did they do the visuals? It's never as good live action. It's just kind of sad. It's probably not as good, <laughs> but I want to see it, you know? Yes. Yeah. I want to have, like, a side-by-side of some of these episodes. Well, go do to Nigeria ever... and start knocking on doors. I was like, do they ever find episodes <laughs> after they've done the animation? Has that happened? No. But there's speculation that the reason they stopped some animations that were going to be in progress is because they found some and they're waiting for the 60th anniversary to announce it. But fans say that all the time. I was going to say that seems weird to just not announce it. Very optimistic. The year of the 50th anniversary, they did find two stories that were missing and announced them around the 50th. Oh, I see. So this is just a big plot by the BBC. They keep them all hidden, and they wait yeah. till big events, <laughs> yep. and then they reveal them slowly. Big BBC at it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got a big checklist. Neil Patrick Harris, check. Re- <laughs> <laughs> release uh, previously lost episodes, check. <laughs> Lady from RuPaul's Drag Race, check. Yeah. Jinx Monsoon. We're recording this on the day that they released photos of Jinx's Doctor Who costume. Oh, is that what was posted? I didn't know who Jinx was. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. She's a popular drag queen. Yeah, it was announced she was going to be on the show a couple weeks ago, and apparently she just landed in the UK today and had her costume fitting, and they filmed it and put some promo photos out on Twitter. That looks like it collects so much cat hair. Oh, I was thinking it looks like it came from that Halloween Hocus Pocus. Oh, hocus po- yeah. very Hocus oh, Pocus yeah. hair shape for sure. Jill, give me some stuff. You like the Cyberman in this one? I liked, uh, yeah. You I hated the sound. I did hate the sound, <laughs> and I will always hate the sound. I'm a sound person, yes. in case you didn't know. Um... What I don't understand, so they, like, revamped them, but why not revamp their face? I hate their faces. You gotta keep the basic shape. Nope, it sucks. When we first saw it, I asked Jill, can you imagine acting in that? Like, it's just a thing (laughs) clamped around your head. Ugh. It'd be so echoey if you actually had to talk in it and stuff. Fraser Hines said on the DVD that whenever they would cut and have to, like, reset the lights or anything, he would yell at everybody to, like, go get the Cybermen's helmets off. And because they'd be like talking like, oh, maybe we should do this or that. He's like, hey, while you're talking, go take their helmets off. <laughs> They're extremely uncomfortable. The um, like all of the 
not all. That's a that's too broad. But like the Dalek and the Cyberman voices or sound effects are so painful. I'm so glad they went away with that. But yeah, these that's... are a hundred times worse than the Daleks. Oh, they're God, they're I'm, I'm really surprised that Cody's not bitching because he bitched about the first Cyberman story <laughs> and the voice about the voices. The voice in this one is so much worse. It is incomprehensible. And like we turn the subtitles on after a couple minutes and there are some senses where it's like not a fucking chance in hell. That's what he said <laughs> or that I ever would have heard that. I mean, that was also for the Frenchman as well. But <laughs> so the guy they hired to do the voices, you know, those uh, those things that like people with um, the windpipes. They have their larynx taken out. They have those things that they put up to their throat to talk. Yeah. So mm -hmm. this was like that, but like a different version. It's a plate. So it's for people that have had their voice boxes removed. Um, It's a plate you put at the roof of your mouth that's like connected to wires. And you just kind of like form syllables with your mouth and just kind of like breathe. And so that's so he wasn't even talking. He's just kind of like making the motions and it is terrible <laughs> and sounds like shit. And I'm glad they don't ever do it again. Never? I don't think so. No. Shame. These no, guys seem not. very it scary and monstrous. But we also always watch it with subtitles on. So regardless of what they say, we always know. I don't have a great ear for accents and pulling the English through them. I really appreciated that they are still like, uh, damn it. What's the words? Um, trying to teach us something, uh, as viewers. Uh, so like when the doctor was talking about how they have the simulated night and day, cause Polly was freaking out that the lights went out, um, just because <laughs> of like, how the moon rotated and how they had long extended periods of night or day and they had to keep their body clocks regular. And she's like, what's a body clock? And just, oh God. But it was, it was still nice to see that kind of stuff coming through Doctor Who. You can cut that. Sorry. They're stupid and they don't understand bodies. The preemptive nuke. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh man. That was great. What'd y'all think of the companions? Polly's killing it. Dude, Polly had nothing to do except save the world at the very end. And not know what a body clock is. She got told to go, like, get sandwiches, get coffee, get tea, like, and then, oh, man, what was, I think it was, oh, man. It was Ben. Was it Ben who's like, this is men's work, <laughs> or like, what, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, but she still came with. Yeah. She's like, no, I got this. It's very often brought up the fact that Polly makes coffee twice <laughs> in the story. Um, Annika Wills doesn't think that it or doesn't see it as like degrading because she's in on the plan. Like she's not making coffee because she's the woman. She's like, oh, everyone's kind of freaking out. We need everyone to chill. Like, I know. Let's go make some coffee. Let's and, get some stimulants. And they, <laughs> need a, they need a reason to figure out the sugar thing. So... But also, like, um, 
Terry's right. Like, Ben didn't do anything in the story. He goes out to try to help, like, right away to make himself useful. And the guys are like, oh, you can go clean the pantry <laughs> or, like, <laughs> uh, get some of these cups out of here. <laughs> and Polly's in the sick bay with the doctor, like, doing shit. And so the reason the doctor has her go make the coffee is because she's the only one there. Because Ben's off cleaning the bathrooms. And, uh, you know, they they figure out the whole sugar thing because of her. And then she figures out the acetone thing and fucking crushes. And then <laughs> ben, ben tells her, no, no, this is men's work. And then she goes anyway. Yeah, and then you have... Uh... Why can't I? McCrimmon. I can never think of his first name. Jamie. 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 You have Jamie. Jay. Jamie. Little Jay. Just <laughs> laying in a bed <laughs> for two out of the four episodes. Mr. Jay, if you will. Yeah, we didn't get much out of him. What Except we did that... get, though, that I really liked was like a little like uh, cock measuring between him and Ben. And like <laughs> Ben kind of accusing him of trying to be tough in front of Polly. And I think that that dynamic would actually be really interesting, but I don't believe they ever come back to it at all. Huh. I mean, the closest we ever see to that happening again is between Matt Smith and uh, Rory for Amy's affections. Hmm. I guess maybe the ninth Doctor and Captain Jack for Rose. Do you got any tweets? I decide when the tweets are, Terry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me point your direction at a fun little cliche in which perhaps Doctor Who became one of the first. Observe, if you will, a young uh, Benoit running outside of the space station attempting to return as swiftly as he can, for he is being chased by none other than a Cyberman. Benoit, running at the top speed that his body could possibly produce, fails to make any distance from this walking Cyberman behind him for about 16 cuts. <laughs> and it's amazing. Okay, feel free to cut that, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give two excuses. I I'm not saying you're wrong, but this is kind of a devil's advocate. One, they're on the moon. It's like one-eighth gravity or whatever. Two, a Cyberman, though walking, you could say has like uh, mechanical parts and servos or whatever. It could maybe walk real fast. Just looks like slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually asked to walk in slow motion, and then the footage was uh, <laughs> shot in slow motion to make it even slower. Oh, that's a lot of... That's slow motion squared. Mm-hmm. Well, Benoit, you need servos, bro. <laughs> I really enjoyed the slow motion falling. It was great. I really enjoyed the physics nightmare of explosive decompression non-existent because of a bag of rice. What? 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 The, oh, the yeah. Cybermen were getting in initially oh. through this giant hole in the space <laughs> that station. That hole didn't go outside. Oh, where did it go? Underneath. A, a large part of the space is underground. And so, like, they came up from under the ground 
And that's why they were getting depressurization warnings and like weird pressure stuff. But they were just hiding like in the walls there. They weren't um, out. That didn't go directly outside. Oh, I just assessed it with the the depressurization issues. I just I did like the the laser hole. Oh, really? yeah. Put it in yeah. the coffee tray. Plug the hole. But first they use just uh, what a towel or a jacket. It's like done. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we've solved the problem. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Coffee tray, though, legit. Thank God it was clear that they could see that it was a laser. Yeah, that actually made it look pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder how they got it to stick up there. You think they had, like, a section of glue on the outside? Again, it's animated, so who knows? I bet it was really obvious how they did it (laughs) in the live action. (laughs) Magnets. (laughs) Well, it seems, I feel like... Everyone's being a little more optimistic in this very short-lived so far second Doctor era, even though we have very little live action. It feels like you guys are starting to come around a little bit. I've been around, baby. Might be a strong feeling. It's this Doctor is getting a little better. It's getting a little better. Yeah. Jake, you'll be proud of us. We did watch the extras on the DVD. Nice. Oh, so all the, all this documentary stuff, uh, you already knew it all. Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. For sure. And Annika but it's still interesting. is a wonderful human being. Polly's I would do anything the best. She's so sweet. <laughs> uh, there's, um, there's a series of VHSs from like the 80s and 90s, and I think it even went into the 2000s, um, called The Myth Makers, where this guy interviews all of like a bunch of doctor who people so like all of the companions and so when alex and i were doing our companions episodes i would watch all those there's some old ass like html3 website you can find that has them all for like a dollar 99 rental and uh she is the craziest person she's had this absolutely insane life like she wasn't really an actor she was more of a model she was a child actor but after doctor who she basically just bailed and she would like she has this thing in her in her head where, like, every five years, she just completely changes her life and, like, just picks up stakes and moves. So she was, like, in India living in an ashram for five years. She was, like, in just all over the world just doing having crazy adventures. And then she had no idea that Doctor Who was popular into, like, the 90s until some kid who had, like, a Doctor Who newsletter that he would, like, share with his friends, found her in somewhere in, like, Nova Scotia, Canada, and asked to, like, called her and asked to interview her. And she was like, sure. I don't know why I know to give a shit about Doctor Who. And then he started telling her, like, oh, there's all these conventions and everything, and you could actually make a lot of money <laughs> if you did these. And she, like, came out of the woodwork and found, found this Doctor Who audience and, like, loves going to conventions and now is, like, back in the mix and does all these DVDs and everything. But she, like, just bounced for, like, 30 years. Nobody knew where she was. They, the they used to call her, like, in the in the <laughs> 80s and 90s conventions, they used to call her, like, the, the missing companion. <laughs> Man, what a, what a moniker. That's kind of sick. Like, the missing companion? The missing companion. Yeah. Hell yeah. Can you imagine the she, first she one she goes to? She just ghosted the world. Like, if she... <laughs> The first one she goes to when she like re-enters the world of Doctor Who, 
Like, that's got to be insane. People are paying huge money just to go. It'd be nuts. Mm-hmm. And now that they're, like, doing Blu-rays and everything, like, all those 80s companions, like, it's their job. is just to show up to these studios in England and do, like, Blu-ray commentaries just <laughs> all day long. I mean, do you even need it's to like show up? It's like a legit up? job. You just get a... Like a nice mic and a computer in the mail, and they say record. Oh, they, say they this. do it all. They all these new Blu-ray box sets. They do um, Doctor Who behind the couch, and so like they have groups of three and different oh. groups like sitting on a couch together watching the whole thing together. That's pretty cool. They do they do like a season in a day. They like sit there all day and watch this shit. Damn, isn't that what you guys want to do? Don't you love Doctor Who, where you just watch it all day and watch an entire season in one sitting? Yeah, I just just need friends that are interesting to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Keep looking. Alex, give me that fun fact theme song. Oh, we're doing theme songs this time? <clears throat> fun, 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 fun facts, fun, 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 fun facts. We brought up a couple times during New Who that there are five writers who show writers for Doctor Who that show up as actors. So in New Who, we had Mark Gatiss and um, Toby Whithouse both show up as actors, and they both wrote on the show as well. Here, one of the scientists who doesn't get a name is played <laughs> by Victor Pemberton, who writes Fury from the Deep, which we will be watching soon. It's a second Doctor story. And he's also kind of a uh, script editor for a short time during the second Doctor's era, although I think he's only credited as a script editor for one story. So that's cool. cool. Five writers have acted. This is the third one we've seen now. Fun fact. Fun. The maybe the funnest fact. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> uh, one of the better parts of this story, one of the fun parts, is when um, you know the Doctor says that he was actually trained as a medical doctor by Joseph Lister in like 1880 London. Or Scotland. And uh, at one point, Polly's like, so, uh, is it possible that your 1880 doctor might not have known everything about 2070s medical science? <laughs> great, great stuff by Polly. But uh, <laughs> that doctor they named Joseph Lister, he was a founder of the Royal Microscopical Society. And Kit Pedler, who wrote the story, was the honorary secretary of that society. So we got a little little something in there from his personal life. Are there still like societies around? Like like organizations that call themselves societies? Yeah. Have you met the Red Hat Society? No. What yeah. is that? <laughs> it's old ladies that wear red hats and purple shirts. They sell pins. <laughs> oh my god. I saw the red hat coming, not the purple shirt. Most societies these days are just uh, fronts for sex trafficking, I think. Oh, that one might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, there was a cut scene in this story where one of the Cybermen explains that they have survived the destruction of Mondas because they weren't there. They left. They were flying around. And they had to settle on the planet Telos. Which will come back later as uh, like a new Cyberman planet. And finally, so Mondas doesn't exist and never, never exists anymore unless we go in the past. 
it blew up in the 10th planet. So in, like, current day who, Mondas isn't a planet anymore? Well, we go to Mondas in the 12th Doctor story okay. uh, where we get the Mondasian Cybermen. Men. Oh, no, we don't go to Mondas. We, we're on a ship. Yeah, we don't ever go to Mondas. <laughs> <laughs> but that but that ship left Mondas. That's what makes them Mondasian, right? Correct. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, I was kind of in the same boat as Sam's. Like, I know we've had Mondasian Cybermen. So does that make them, like, the Neanderthals of humans? No. You mean I'm of Cybermen? Like... Yeah. Whatever, like, if Earth exploded and we had a bunch of astronauts out on other planets, it would make them those things. <laughs> so, orphans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what we learn Cyber through orphan. future Doctor Who stories, Doctor Who books, comics, whatever, is that Cybermen are inevitable and they end up popping up on all kinds of planets all through the galaxy. Telos, Vulcan. There's a story where they show up on um Marinus. Like they There's there's a book that's a sequel to Keys of Marinus. Maybe it's an audio story. Where the people from Marinus end up becoming Cybermen. Because that's like oh. supposedly the natural progression of technology, right? Like that's their whole yeah. trope. Yeah. That's why they're scary is because they are inevitable. All things end in Cybermen. Yeah. The future is and Cybermen. Women. Uh, episode Cyber inclusivity of this story is the last time we will see the original title sequence for 47 years until the 50th anniversary special the next story they changed the opening title sequence weird does it have the faces you'll have to watch to find out see you in this 2025 one, yeah, this one title have the faces. oh yeah this is the one with like the inky background yeah hey alex hey jake email that twitter theme song Beep, deep, deep, beep, deep, deep, beep, 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 deep, tweet. Remember last week when you said something about like the subtitles describing the the TARDIS uh, mechanism going up and down is throbbing? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Sonia said, "Coffee just came out of my nose while listening to Married to Who Pod <laughs> talk about some peculiar <laughs> subtitle word choice." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, so I asked Twitter uh, what they thought about this story, and James at James Swift ninety five said, "I really enjoyed Trout in this one. I feel like you already see him and Jamie establish their bond." I just checked, and I ranked it three out of ten, so maybe it's bad. I watched oh. it. O- oh. I watched it over a year ago, and my only memory is the Cyberman reveal. So maybe I'm not the best to tell. Actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, James. Okay. I like the honesty. The fingers of the Cybermen, that got me. Yeah, those are dumb. <laughs> the claws? The claws. Yeah. The clamper they, claws. <laughs> they look like pointy ninja turtles. <laughs> I'll wait till we get to the ice warriors. To oh, no. Please. Been there. Seen that. Seen them. <laughs> um, not these guys. You <laughs> 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 haven't seen them in the 60s. Oh, no. Yikes. Um, speaking of James's, James Courtney and Mr. J. Courtney says, Tenth Planet is still great, even with Jamie and the Second Doctor. <laughs> Nailed it. 
Fucking Good shots fired, bud. <laughs> uh, BT Flippity Gigget at Your Cool 91 says, This one is just a solidly average Doctor Who story. I believe the 50th anniversary Doctor Who poll will agree with you. Um, <laughs> it's not particularly memorable IMO, but it does have good performances from our regular cast. I think the fact that Troughton has Tomb of the Cybermen fairly close to this one, spoilers, makes Moonbase kind of look even more mediocre. Ooh. Oh, ho, ho. Mm. we got some good stuff on the horizon. Mm, me likey. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Someone no. turned his mic off so he's <laughs> a little less pipe. Don't, don't ye take me. But also take me. All right. To get a overwhelmingly positive view of this story, Janelle Hobbs at J. Christine H. says, I absolutely adore this one, so I have a lot incoming. Feel free to paraphrase where necessary. I will not. I will read every fucking word. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I want to talk about the characters because really this serial highlights the Doctor and Polly IMO. This is the first serial of the second Doctor where we really start seeing the machinations underneath. This Doctor may act like a silly cosmic hobo flailing about, but he is always taking in his surroundings and plotting his next move. So, it makes me sad that we don't have episode 3 because I would have loved to see how Troughton performed the Doctor, the doctor talking to himself in the third episode. We didn't bring that up at all in the podcast. Yes, I, oh, was, yeah. I was just thinking that as that they sentence started. the doctor's inner monologue. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard in a, that podcast I was listening to today. So during the dark times when there was no Doctor Who on TV, there are a lot of Doctor Who books. They're called the Virgin New Adventure novels. Nice. Uh, Virgin was the publishing company. They were told, the writers were told, they had some rules, and one of them was, you cannot write from the doctor's point of view. We can't have the doctor's inner thoughts. And here in this story, we do have exactly that. I have, quick interlude, maybe the director in, like made a compromise, because uh, Troughton is a very um, expressive actor. And he had to tone it all down. So the director's like, okay, we're going to give you a scene where the only acting you get to do is with the fine motor skills of your face. I think this would have been written into the script. Think so? Yeah. But you just said it shan't. <laughs> no, that was for the new Virgin New Adventure books 30 years later. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, continue. Janelle goes on. As for Polly... I know the women in Classic Who don't always get good stuff to work with, and Polly does have a scream, fuss, and make coffee here. Have to scream, fuss, and make coffee here. To be fair, Ben had to collect coffee, too. Despite this, I feel Polly is still a strong character. She has, she was a research assistant before traveling with the Doctor, knows multiple languages, and even saves the day here by coming up with a way to combat the Cybermen. And when Ben and, ben and Jamie tell her to stay behind, this is a man's job, she scoffs and comes anyway. Also... The moment when she questions the doctor's medical abilities cracks me up. Oh, yeah, we're just talking about this. Uh, the faces Annika Wilkes makes when she tries to assuage the doctor's ego is A-grade and matches Troughton beat for beat. As for the plot, I know some people complain about how quickly Hobson lets the doctor and company in. Um, he's dealing with a virus, or while he's dealing with a virus and Gravitron problems. So I think he's hedging his bets that they are either not involved or he will otherwise find out if they are. My only real issue with the story is that you could tell they didn't have the budget for a bigger set, and they often act and speak like it's way bigger than it is, which makes some of the plot points silly. 
like when the controller person shows up or the controlled person shows up in episode four and no one notices even though he's like a foot away it's a little <laughs> unbelievable but shrug what can you do it's actually one of my favorite sets from the 60s era so i i will give a lot of leeway when it comes to stuff like that i feel like she touched on everything that is true. We don't really have it. I feel like we only like to disagree here's, with people. Here's the thing. Is now the part of the show <laughs> where Terry wastes about five minutes. Go ahead, Terry. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I, so, one of, like, my third note that I had made was... Hold that... on. Does Terry <laughs> just wait for that introduction? <laughs> He's way too like, excited. Him, Even Jill. when we're not doing get a him. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of sits in the corner and waits until... Oh, sweet. I, I turn off the TV and go, okay, Terry, go ahead. And just listen to him. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so just <laughs> the first scene of, like, the controller at the device and like he slowly just collapses onto the control panel and dies like my note was just like moon work is so boring dies <laughs> that made Crush me it. laugh yeah no i thought the sets were awesome like it would to act with the giant uh gravitron thing just to manipulate that and move it around like all of that stuff would have been super fun to work with during rehearsals the gravitron fell seconds after patrick Troughton was standing directly under it and it was very heavy and would have hurt him very badly and he was very shook up and upset creepy and then he wrote final destination is that that show yes. <laughs> quit calling movies shows you're not 90 years old. <laughs> what? Should I say pictures? <laughs> What's that moving no, you should say picture? say movies, like a human man. <laughs> yeah, that, that Final Destination picture. What did everyone think of the giant laser gun that the Cybermen had? I think they got cucked. Fuck them. They got Gravitron, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cool. Rather than their like little handheld pea shooter weapons, they come out with this giant like cannon of a rifle. It's like this is awesome. Bring back crotch lasers. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's what I want. We know. Ah. Uh. Oh, and then we get a sneak peek into the next episode with the random claw on the screen. And the only live that action claw. peek we'll see of that story. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is now the part of the show where I tell you what's going to happen next week. <laughs> I, I, that's how I'm going to announce every segment, always. <laughs> I don't it think is it is. We haven't done show. MVPs. Oh, shit. Uh, hey, Terry. Yes. What's, who's your MVP? My MVP is Morris Berry, the director. I thought he did really well. Cody, who's your MVP? <laughs> well, thanks for asking, Terry. Shut I up. think Annika... Shut up! I'm waiting for Terry to say anything other than I thought he did good. Oh, well, no. Just like the notes that you gave with uh, how he brought like Drew Patrick in uh, and made him not 
crazy, like flamboyant that he was in the last episodes or so with his character. And like that he is playing a lot like tenant and stuff like that now that he has like those crazy genius moments and he's being crazy but and all that but now like he has a serious tone as well under his belt and that's reflecting a lot of like new who i take it back less is more I Cody. It. <laughs> Who's your MVP? oh i think attica william wills willis wills attica wills did phenomenal she did sam polly any reason Annika the same. Wills. She was very upset at the spacesuits because they did not favor her backside. <laughs> that was, that was a pretty funny comment. It didn't give her well, a donk? We hadn't touched on the fact that she talked about how painful, like, flying was oh, yeah. for them. Right up in I... the gusset. <laughs> Sounds miserable. Oh, yeah. Um, Jill. Uh, go next. She's currently lighting dogs out. Alex! I'm also giving it to Polly, uh, because she okay. saved the world. She's the best. <laughs> Polly's great. My MVP is Patrick Barr, who played Hobson. Uh, I think he rode that line really well. Like, you guys kind of gave a lot of shit to the general guy in the Tenth Planet for just kind of being, like, cartoonishly evil towards the end i think this guy does a much better job of kind of riding the line between like hey i'm a good guy but like i have to be the barrier for our hero the doctor to just like come in and save everything uh so i think he did a great job as kind of being a foil but not the antagonist and uh he's great He's also, as we learned from the DVD, really good friends with Fraser Hines and Patrick Chowton, and so they had a great time being able to hang out with them. Jill, who's your MVP? Uh, whoever did the animation. Again, this is the first animation I've enjoyed. I thought it was real nice. Super detailed. Who did it? Terry? I tried looking that up earlier, and I couldn't figure it out. Figure it Planet out. Planet 55 Studios. Terry's hammered. I, yeah, I drank this episode, sorry. You don't normally? I watched it. No. Oh. Yeah, somebody came home with a bunch of booze the other day, and now he just kind of feels compelled to <laughs> slam it. And For next time, again, we have to get DVDs. I don't think I've ordered DVDs for this yet. Uh-oh. There is an option on Amazon to buy, like, they call it, like, the season of, like, this the whole DVD uh, or the whole story. So maybe I can do that and we can all just watch it on Amazon instead of me buying three copies of a DVD. Do that. Next week, four episodes written by the guy who wrote The War Machines, which I really like. It is completely animated. It is called... The Macra Terror. Hey, what was the name of the monster in the episode with the cars where they just were driving around and around and around? They were called the <gasps> Macra. Very Jeez! good, Sam. I'm a that genius. was like five years ago. You are a genius. <laughs> wow. Jill, Jill was doing the same thing after we watched the episode. She's like, wait, we've seen crab people before. 
<laughs> and uh yeah. And then Alex is like, Do you remember where? And I was like, uh an episode with the doctor's newer, newest, no, not newest, maybe. And he's like, Jody, I'm like, uh, Jody, no, yeah, yeah, it was Jody. He's like, no, it's Tenet. I was like, yeah, okay. What a dick. I didn't want to, like, hey, railroad do you know things, her wife? thoughts. Oh, you don't? Hmm. I bet Tara does. <laughs> oh, no. That was, that was DM mode. I just, I just wanted her to finish her thought, and then I'd be like, nope, this is what it was. <laughs> Alex, do the song. This has been Married to Who, our episode on the Moon Base. If you'd like to participate, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Married to Who Pod. If you want to listen to any episodes other than the most recent 100, you can do so on our website, MarriedToWho.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, Producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next week for the Macra Terror. Be-do-do-do. <laughs>